Thanks for listening to this podcast of Trending with Timory. If you haven't already subscribed, please catch us wherever you love to listen to your podcast, from the Relevant Radio app to Apple, YouTube, you name it, we are there. And if you listen on Apple Podcasts, please be sure to go and give us a five-star review to help other people discover the podcast. Anything you share in terms of episodes, whether it's texting it to a friend, posting on social media, helps to build up the kingdom for God to help confront the challenging issues we face as a culture, but with joy, with hope, and with an eternal perspective where our faith collides with everyday life, bringing eternal principles to help us live our life joyfully. So, what's trending? Bridging your Catholic faith with your everyday life. You're listening to Trending with Timory on Relevant Radio. Welcome to our weekly marriage hour today on Trending. Joining me is my dear friend, Christina Pineda. She is a celebrity and royal matchmaker. You can find her at matchmakersinthecity.com. She matchmakes us peasant folks along with celebrities. Uh, and I am just so excited to dive into our topics because our weekly marriage hours are about everything from dating and relationships to discerning marriage as well. So today we're going to talk about everything from Dane Cook, who's 50 now and engaged 23-year-old Kelsey Taylor. If you haven't heard the news, we'll also talk about you know relationships and age gaps, especially when you're heading into college, what that should be discerned and how that should look. Also, I received a question this week from Kevin. How do you know when you should get married? If you have any tips, concrete tips about how what when you should get married, when you know, love to hear them, 1-888-914-9149. Or if you have a question for our matchmaker, we're happy to talk about it. We're also talking about the controversial topic uh, so many people struggle with of in-laws. There's an article that I recently read that my mom sent me that says that my wedding is in 100 days and my future in-laws still exclude me from family events. Ooh, we're gonna, going to talk about navigating in-law relationships before the knot has been tied, what boundaries and conversations need to happen. So stay with me. You're listening to Trending with Timory during your weekly marriage hour. And if you have a question about dating relationships for our celebrity and royal matchmaker, date coach, Christina Pineda, numbers one 914 Christina, welcome back to Trending. Thanks, Timory. So good to be with you as always. Okay, so you told me the news about Dane Cook last week. The news that he is getting married, he's engaged, and for those who you know, maybe haven't brushed up on Dane Cook in a while, boy, he, you know, I didn't realize how old he was now. He's 50 years old, American comedian. Most people know him well, but he is actually engaged to a girl that's 23 years old, Kelsey Taylor. What's the news here? What is going on? And what's your perspective on this as a matchmaker working with people who are looking for spouses and maybe have been waiting a while too? Yes. So they claim to have dated for five years, which means that they started dating when she was 18, a little convenient age to start dating. And that means there's a 26 year age gap between them. So she would have been 18 years old dating a 45-year-old. And that's assuming that she started dating him when she was about 18 years old. Right. Who knows the truth? But that's what they claim. And what we see is it's totally natural for couples to have a 5 to 10 year age difference after they turn 21. 
especially with the woman being younger and the man being older, because women tend to mature more quickly than men do. But when a man in his 40s dates such a young woman in her teens, this crosses a major line. And unfortunately, Hollywood has normalized huge age gaps. But the truth is that a human's prefrontal cortex only fully develops from the age of ages of 25 to 30. So our brains are not fully developed until we reach that age. And that's why at Matchmakers in the City, we highly advise against large age gaps, especially with young people. That doesn't mean that we actually have matched young people in young 20s before, but with people who are age appropriate. We even matched a young woman in college because she was sick of the immature college boys, but it's always with an appropriate age gap and it's not this huge span of someone who is extremely mature and just totally out of the the realm of possibility to date without a big power imbalance. That is what concerns us the most because when a woman in her teens dates a substantially older man, this power imbalance is so great that it ends up turning into a grooming his future wife creepy situation. Right. And, and it leads for it's risk very... when it comes to intimacy as well oh, in various oh, relationships. Yeah. And the pressure that women face in situations like this are pretty significant. And especially, I know you're going to talk about the situations such as in college too, where, and this ends up essentially rape-esque type of situations when there's such a large age gap. And, you know, people exactly. talk a lot about consent today, Christina, uh, but there's a thing such as consent, but not desired. And I think that this is what many women experience in these large age gap type situations. Mm-hmm. Right. And so, okay, of course, it's very different, different for this kind of um, and difficult for this kind of relationship to be truly consensual and truly desired by both people, especially when the woman's brain hasn't, or man's, because there have been situations where women have dated considerably younger men, but you see this, this happen, this situation happen more frequently. And I wanted to bring this back to normal people's lives, to going back to school, a lot of high schoolers and um, have been going back to school this week. I know in Tennessee they have. And I wanted to bring up a story from my sister, actually, and co-founder of Matchmakers in the City, who was so sick of dating the immature high school boys that she would flirt with her male teachers frequently, especially one in particular. Now she knows that was inappropriate but I want to tell this and share the story because it's not just the men who are the predators that sometimes the women, the young women are, are being the, the advance. They try to advance the relationship. They are the ones who are flirting. They're the ones who are dropping in the DMS on Instagram. Who knows how Dane Cook and his fiance actually met. They said that they met at a party in, in Boston. I don't, or in that in Massachusetts or something. I don't know how true that is, but it could a lot of times if there's that celebrity involved or just a man who's older, attractive, a woman might be a young woman might be the one spurring along this relationship. But and 
usually these young women or the men or young boys are too young to know any better when they, when they, when they flirt, just like my sister. That's why professors and teachers need to implement boundaries with their high school and college students, middle school sometimes. It's easy for feelings to develop if boundaries fail to be put in place, even if everyone involved has good intentions. So before you get into any of these situations, it's important to put those boundaries down. I think that it's interesting because you mentioned earlier that men do tend to mature slower than women. And I think one of the challenges when we talk about age gaps is that it's very common for women to desire to date and or marry or flirt with someone that's older than them. I think sometimes it can be due to the challenge and the excitement of what's novel, uh, but it also I think is due often to the maturity gap that only seems to be getting worse of late. That's true. That's true. And that's why for young women, I, I say this to our young, young, young bachelorettes that it's fine if you're in college and to find a professor attractive. It's not bad that you find that person attractive. That might happen. You can't control sometimes who you're attracted to, but to still maintain those boundaries that we'll discuss some concrete ways of creating boundaries with people to enable to protect that that relationship so it's a purely wholesome relationship and you don't get into the war, into the weeds with it and but it is normal and that's why when 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 women as men and women get older they tend to have a little bit of an age an age gap which is fine it's just having those big ones, I would really advise people not to seek out. Christina Pineda here on on Trending with Timory. You can find her at matchmakersinthecity.com. She match makes celebrities, royals, as well as us peasant folk. And you have a question, we're happy to take it. Number is 1-888-914-9149. Free advice from a matchmaker. Now is your opportunity for dating, relationships, all of it. Uh, we're going to talk about how do you know when the right person is there and if you should get married. Uh, but before we do, I do want to dive into boundaries. Christina, when you're talking about the challenges of age gaps and so many things in relationships really do come down to boundaries. So how do you handle this, especially in a situation where there can be attraction between people uh, with less than ideal and larger age gap than should be there? Right. And I would say definitely patience is very important for a young woman who feels that she doesn't know any men, any boys her age who are as mature as she is. So just keep it knowing that just continue to grow and learn and you will meet new, new people, especially when you graduate college, if you haven't met your, your man there. So just patience is something that's important. I, I wanted to say that, but for boundaries for teachers, students, and parents to implement. I have specific ones for each of these groups, but they actually apply to everyone and they can be used for everyone. So for teachers and professors, only meet with students in public places. Keep the door open to your office and classroom. Do not invite students to personal events or into your home. 
And this is hard because a lot of professors, when I went to college, would invite us to their homes. And I always felt very awkward in those environments, even if it was a female professor. It's just, it crossed the line and I shouldn't have gone, but sometimes they ran the class there. And I would not accept friend Facebook friend requests from students. And as students, I wouldn't accept them from teachers. Try to keep all of your social media accounts private, for instance, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, unless you have a business on the side. So if you have a flower business or something, it's fine to post photos. That doesn't have to be a private Instagram, but not your personal Instagram. And then if you sense that a student is flirting with you, do not engage. Just respond politely and move on. And so I think those are for are the boundaries. teachers, professors. Yeah. Those are so helpful, I think, especially because, one, it's sometimes hard for professors and teachers to distinguish what's happening, especially if sometimes it's a male professor and you're a little surprised by what's happening. Um, but to have those boundaries clear and intentional going into the situations, what about for students? Yes. Yeah, so for students, and this is the parents and guardians should be involved in this. You should talk to your your kids, even if they're older, even if they're college age, about how to keep communication with their educators respectful, keeping the conversations on the class topic rather than becoming personal. If they feel that they need to really want someone to talk to about personal issues in their life, you can talk maybe about setting them up with a Catholic therapist, or if they want to do more spiritual work, maybe a spiritual director if they're in college and not going that personal route with professors, which is hard, but it's important to instruct your children about appropriate boundaries, like the locations of the meetings, et cetera, and have them, if they're unsure, have them ask you if they, they think if you think that's appropriate or not. And for students, know that it's okay to find a teacher attractive, like we said, but keep the relationship professional. Otherwise you're opening a can of worms I'm just recalling another story of a bachelorette who was in college and just found one of her professors extremely attractive. And he was, of course, he was married too. So it was, that was another level Oof. of inappropriateness. But she constructed this and maybe it could have been true because who knows, but she did construct this relationship that they were having based on looks and and just different things that he would say to her. So it's really important to guard your words, guard what you say to each other, because people can take things personally and out of it just, it, you want to make sure everything that you're saying is as clean as possible. Yeah, people can take things out of context and assume something when sometimes you're just meant to be polite, <laughs> right. a polite situation that can turn into a feeding into someone's feelings and seemingly creating something that wasn't there uh, to someone. And I think that's also dives into the challenge that women have of being so emotionally invested in things that sometimes when women are attracted to men that we can um, overly romanticize a situation uh, and kind of create this idea of it in our heads. 
And I think, you know, oppositely for men, you know, that fantasization is more visually, uh, sexually oriented. And so being aware of these situations where we can be feeding into an unhealthy situation, I think there's so much to learn, you know, looking at this engagement from comedian Dane Cook and his girlfriend who's 26 years younger than him, barely 23 years old. Uh, it's a reminder of in the real world. We do have to navigate situations and feelings and emotions and attractions like this. Uh, and we shouldn't necessarily run in the direction of situations such as Dane Cook and his new fiance, which again, just the photos itself just look creepy when you see the two of them mm. together. And here's this beautiful young woman, and it is so blatantly obvious he is so much older than her. He could be her father. Okay, so we're going to come back during our weekly marriage hour here on Trending with Tim Ray with celebrity and royal matchmaker Christina Panetta. If you have a question, free advice from the matchmaker, the number is 1-888-914-9149. We're going to answer this question with our celebrity and royal matchmaker. How do you know when you should get married? Kevin wrote to me asking this question this week. We're also going to talk about navigating in-law relationships before your in-laws and perhaps if you have new family members coming into your family. So, what's trending? Bridging your Catholic faith with your everyday life. You're listening to Trending with Timory on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Matchmaker, matchmaker, make me a match. Celebrity and world matchmaker, Christina Pineda is here with me on Trending. You can find her at matchmakersinthecity.com. Her and her sister, co-founder, have been featured everywhere from Access Hollywood, TMZ, you name it. And she is a faithful Catholic joining us here on Trending. We're taking questions. So if you have a question, number is 1-888-914-9149. Kevin wrote in to me this last week about how do you know when you should get married? He said, I often find that in relationships, eventually I feel trapped. So I'm not sure if it's because of my own fears or if I haven't met the right for person. He said, I'm getting older. I'm 36 now. I wish I had heard your program when I was younger. He said, how can one know that a couple should get married? I've been in a long distance relationship for over a year and it's really difficult to tell if my hesitancy is my own fear or if maybe we aren't the right match. He said, people often tell me, quote, only you know if it's right. But at least until now, that advice hasn't proven helpful. Kevin. Okay, Kevin, this is a great question. I think this is the question that so many people have. Uh, before they know that they found the one, is how do you know you found the one? How do you know you should get married? Christina, there's so much to unpack in this entire situation, but I'd love to hear your initial thoughts. Yes, well, my first gut reaction and advice would be that long distance complicates relationships intensely. So I would recommend for either Kevin or his girlfriend to move within easy driving distance of the other person before getting engaged to see how seeing that person once or twice a week in real time changes the relationship. Right now with long distance, you may be seeing each other maybe once a month or I don't know what the frequency is, but it's not the same as a a typical relationship where you're able to build more time together in, because often I say that a year is fine to get engaged, but when you're long distance, 
that year is not the same as if you're living in driving distance from each other. So if that is at all possible, I would do it. And if it isn't, that would make me question, is this relationship actually, actually the right person? Because we're going to have to move. Right. One of us is going to have to move eventually. But yeah, I just, it, it might not be the right person if no one's willing to move. I actually knew a couple recently who had been dating for about a year and a half, started with online dating and said, okay, we want to discern if, you know, there are next steps for us in getting married. And so one of them moved mm -hmm. to a different state so that uh, they could be closer to each other. And within a couple months, they discerned that it wasn't quite working for them. They broke up. They gave it a second chance after some time and then broke up again. But it really required that face-to-face -face time to see you know, what was the fruit of our chemistry. You know, how do I see the true colors in the other person? I think especially, Christine, in long-distance relationships, uh, we behave very differently when it comes to communication. And emotions are very different for women, I think, in particular. And it can be baffling for men on the emotion communication side. And it can be very frustrating for women as well on the emotion communication side and so that face-to-face -face interaction is so important and I can't imagine trying to discern whether or not you're going to marry someone without that face-to-face -face connection and you know seeing how perturbed someone gets in various situations and you know their dynamic of what they're like when they're interacting on an ongoing basis with other people you know is this person I'm in a long-distance relationship a total flirt with people the opposite sex there's so many things that you you can only see in person they say 80 percent of communication is body language and only 20 percent is oral communication and i think that that's telling especially when it comes to long distance relationships uh, okay so some other thoughts i have and i'd like to get your thoughts christina if they're going to sure. let's say move to closer proximity within driving distance so that they can discern next steps in this relationship would you set a time frame on, okay, you know, here I am, I'm showing up, I'm discerning whether or not uh, this is going to work. Do you think it's reasonable to say, hey, you know, I'll give this three to six months or something such as that? Mm, yes. Well, because that first year was long distance and every time you see the person, it's kind of like we're on our best behavior because we only get to see this person so rarely. It's going to take time. I would say at least discerning for six months and possibly even a year. I'm not, I'm not exactly sure if I would ever give it a time limit though, other than a year, because I, I as I say, you should know within a year of being in close pro proximity of someone, if this is the, if this is someone who you would want to be engaged to and, and could marry. So yeah, that's what I would say about that. And I know that a lot of women who I work with, are very hesitant to move, which I, I understand and I agree, mm. if they haven't gotten an engagement ring yet. Right. Because they don't want to uproot their whole life. But so that's something to consider. And if whoever's remote work is obviously the easiest person to move. But if you really care about this person and you want to see, is this the right person for me? You do. Someone needs to make a sacrifice and try and spend that time with each other and right with the engagement for the woman. Even if you're engaged, it doesn't mean you're married. So you could be engaged if you feel that she, if she says, I won't move unless I'm engaged, you have to see if you don't want to be engaged to her, 
that also says something. Yeah. And it may be, yeah, there are fears. I know you mentioned, Kevin, that you're not sure if this is fears and you feel like every time you're in a relationship, you're 36, you get to that point of you feel trapped. And I remember some really great dating advice from from a wise matchmaker who said, when you feel that closed in feeling, that's not a good sign. However, you need to discern, is this just me? Not sure if I want to commit because before marriage, everyone gets a little nervous of, oh, I'm going to be spending the rest of my life with this person. I don't know. But if you've spend the time with the person. If you've really gotten to know her and someone had written, I asked this question on my Instagram to see what people would say about how to know when, when you should marry someone. And someone said, if your arguments or disagreements turn into helping each other grow and you just keep coming back to the person from this and you're both growing together and growing. I think this person meant just growing in a relationship with the Lord because you're becoming the better versions of yourself. That's a really good sign. So you might be a little nervous. You just have to discern if that fear is fear of commitment to anyone or if you're just, you know, I'm not too excited about this woman. Right. Right. But that fear should be a big red flag, wouldn't you argue? And I think especially mm-hmm. incorporating our faith into the situation, if you're discerning whether or not to marry someone, it's so important that we are being reasonable. We're thinking through it. We're discerning. We're challenging and trying the relationship, really testing it out. But to prayerfully discern, to take that time. And I've seen some people who have prayerfully discerned and said, you know what, this is an excellent human being but I know this isn't the person for me. And sometimes that's really hard to do. And I think sometimes that's the reason, Christina, why people date for a prolonged period of time is they see that this is a great catch, but they don't have the ability to say no uh, to someone who's a great catch, but not the right person for them. And I think this is where prayer, knowing yourself, you know, having that very, very deep prayer life and abandoning your life to our Lord and his intercession is so important when making such important decisions, such as who to marry. Oh, yes. That then, as we said, discernment is a huge part of this. And that's why I hate the advice or the saying, when you know, you know, because (laughs) it takes time to know. And so many people have said after the first date that they've known that this is their future person only to be ghosted that week. (laughs) (laughs) So discernment takes time. That's what another thing that this person wrote in response to the question that time is a very important component of the discernment process. Also, peace is a very important component. If you find that, and obviously you can learn more about Ignatian spirituality, but if you find that when you're praying about this relationship and when you're after spending time with this person, that the predominant feeling is, is a peaceful one rather than the negative fears and and obviously you're going to have some nervousness, anxieties in any relationship, but it's more just you feel that this person is leading you closer to the Lord in a peaceful way, that you're not having perturbed nights and not being able to sleep because there's something wrong and you're thinking, and it might be this relationship or that's what I see often that 
people will, it will come out, that stress will come out in other ways if they're just trying to, oh, but this person is so good for me, but not really face the facts that actually I'm very, I'm, I have a lot of anxiety about this relationship and this person isn't right for me, but I just want to be with someone. And I'm nervous that if I let go of this person that I won't have anyone else. But the truth is peace is much more important than any relationship and you can't buy peace. You need, you will never have that sense of, of, of being growing closer to God. If you don't follow that peace for you and it might, that peace for you might look different than what you thought your life would turn out like, or that peace might be with someone who you had no idea you would never think you would get married to. But that pursue, seek the Lord and pursue peace in your relationships, that's a great way to go with discernment. A while back, I did an episode on how to decide or how to choose a wife for men. And I loved it. We talked about the wisdom of St. John Chrysostom. It actually has this whole guidance on how to choose a spouse and much of what it boils down to as a faith-filled individual is turning to St. Paul's writings in Ephesians chapter 5 where he talks about uh, that that ideal between husband and wife and how husbands are called to lay down their lives for their bride just as Christ did for the church and he it goes on St. John Chrysostom does on this whole commentary on St. Paul's words about Christian marriage and he talks about how you want to choose a wife well look at those words who are you willing to die for who are you willing to lay down your life for? And that should be very telling as to who you or whether or not you're willing to marry this particular person. It should grow you and challenge you and make you a better person to sacrifice your own desires and wants and needs uh, at the service of another human being who makes you a better person. And so we'll post a link on social media to that podcast as well as in the podcast notes. So check out that episode because I think it's very helpful, especially when people are asking, how do you know when uh, someone's the one to get married to? I think that that's guidance that we can all help in giving others or hear ourselves as well. That's Christina Pineda, celebrity and royal matchmaker here on Trending with Timory. Uh, Christina, another thing that stands out to me in this scenario as well is that Kevin shares that he's 36 years old. And so you know, he's saying, I wish I'd met the right person sooner. Do things change when discerning marriage as you get older? And should we be aware of maybe the increased pressure that we ourselves feel, especially as women, you know, with our fertility? Um, or should we really try to work on letting go of that through that discernment process, no matter our age? Yes, I, I, I really think that's something people should let go of that refuse to rush despite your fear of getting older, usually rushing and trying to speed it along will just take even longer to get to the right person. So take the steps to discern the relationship. Like I mentioned, through someone moving closer, or if you just don't feel like moving closer to this woman, that's a sign. And then you'll be able to discern this relationship. The Lord has a different plan for everyone. And of course, your timeline was probably, Kevin, your timeline was probably meeting your future wife a lot younger, but he had, the Lord had other things in store for you. So it's not that your life is worse because you haven't met her yet, but it's exciting 
to, I tell this to our, because a lot of men, I mean, yes, Tamara, you said a lot of women feel a lot of pressure to, with fertility and children, but I have date coached a lot of men who have been so, um, just eager to meet their future wife and just are unsure about why, what's going on. I'm, I'm, my heart is in the right place, but I've often seen that they, they're working on things in their own life that will help them be a better provider and a happier husband for when they do meet the right woman. So that's something to think about whatever age you are and that you want to get all of your ducks in a row as best as possible with making sure you're happy with your job. It's not something that you hate and that you're happy with generally, generally happy. No one's going to ever be perfectly happy with their lives. There are always things that we're struggling with and working on, but just working on that element and working on your relationship with the Lord and putting yourself out there. And then you put it in God's hands at that point. If you've done everything you can, it's exciting. Who knows who you'll meet? You never know. I said that the night that I met my husband, I said, who know, who knows who you'll meet? And guess what? I met him and I didn't know he was my future husband when I first met him, but this, you just put it, when you put your hands in your life in God's hands, it can be very, very exciting. And I have seen relationships, so many relationships who have date coached, especially one woman in particular I'm thinking of who did try to, she dated this guy for a year and a half and they bought a ring, everything was in order, but there were some major, major issues that kind of were swept under the rug because she was so eager to get married and to have that life that she dreamt of having so she doesn't get older and maybe it won't be possible. But it ended up, relationship lasted longer, crashed and burned, and it wasn't the right guy for her. So that's why I say it's important to tackle those difficult issues with someone rather than pretending they don't exist. That's celebrity and royal matchmaker Christina Pineda. We're going to come back talking about navigating in-law relationships before you become an in-law. I think tips and tricks for you know new people coming into a family, but also maybe you are the ones who are welcoming some welcoming someone new into your family. A different perspective and maybe a little bit of a conviction for all of us when it comes to how we handle in-law relationships, both new and old. Stay with us. That's celebrity and royal matchmaker Christina Pineda. If you have a question for her, free dating advice. Number is 1-888-914-9149. We're talking about what you're thinking about. You're listening to Trending with Timory on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Welcome back to our weekly marriage hour here on Trending. We're focusing a lot on discerning marriage relationships, but here's a topic for the day, in-law relationships. I think there's something to be learned by all of us, whether you are an in-law, welcoming someone into your family, discerning, or kind of reconsidering how you've handled those relationships in the past. There's a fascinating article on USA Today about in-law relationships in which a young woman writes in uh, for advice on her situation with her fiancé. 
Her and her fiancé have been together for almost five years, and they've been engaged for a year. They were in a long-distance relationship and recently moved closer so that they could be in the same vicinity. Over the holidays, there have been multiple holidays now when she's lived in the area, and she has not been included or welcomed in family events, even though she has no family in the area. Now, part of what's been brought up is that he comes from this big Catholic family. There are five kids, and... And she goes on to share how, you know, on her side of the family, he's invited and welcome and included in everything. But she's realizing more and more that there's a lot she has not been included in. And when she was recently not welcomed to a major holiday, she ended up that she ended up spending completely alone, not with family, not with his family. Her eyes have been opened and she's trying to figure out how to navigate it. And she's becoming more aware of many situations where she's not being included by the soon-to-be in-laws and siblings or situations such as holiday events or even just the frustration of not being included in a family photo that's going to take place just weeks um, before her own marriage that she's not being included as a part of that. Uh, So... Christina Pineda, Celebrity and Royal Matchmaker, is here with us on Trending. You can find her at matchmakersinthecity.com. Christina, I think for anyone and everyone, um, in-law relationships can always be something difficult to navigate. So often, many hurt feelings need for forgiveness. But this is really challenging to begin with when there are already big red flags and things that are difficult going into a marriage to begin with. I'd be interested to hear your initial thoughts. Yes, and I just, that's such a hurtful situation that she wasn't invited to those events. And I can just imagine how she must feel. And that's why if, if there's some, if that, if your daughter or son is in a relationship with someone, especially engaged, that person should be included in holiday functions, in big functions. It's, you have to see it as it's not just your son anymore. Your son has chosen to be exclusively in a relationship with a, a woman who he deems as the, the woman he wants to spend the rest of his life with. So you need to respect that. I would say, however, if it was a situation that is inappropriate, that the, the, the couple is same sex or whatever that that's a different situation but this isn't like that and and they even share that they're honoring not living together you know because she's respecting that he's catholic so she does bring up this catholic side of it of like hey this is a catholic family um he doesn't believe in living together before marriage so we're not like she's trying to do everything right it seems like and so there's extra sensitivity with that catholic component of expecting that you would be more welcoming. Right. And that isn't exactly, that's not, being exclusive like that is not the Catholic way. I could see that maybe they're disappointed that she isn't Catholic and they'd prefer him to marry someone who is Catholic. Mm -hmm. But the way that they're treating her is pushing her. Maybe she sounds like she's pretty open. She could want to convert and it doesn't sound like that was a deal breaker for him. And I've, I've seen a lot of relationships where the woman, if she's open and she wants to, to grow closer to her husband will convert. So, but that's not the family's decision to make. It's the son's decision to make. And the, 
when you treat someone like that, you're pushing them further away from the faith because you're supposed to, when we say we're Catholic, all of our actions are being judged by other people who are thinking, oh, that's what a Catholic is. And that puts a bad spin on our faith. It's not true about our faith. So I would really encourage that family to examine why they're doing this and to to change their behavior. And for the woman, I would say you need to have a heart-to-heart with your future husband about this. This is not okay. This is a strange situation. Talk to him. Why is this happening? You can get to the bottom of it. But regardless of the reason, it needs to change. So how can it change? And what are things that you can do to have this situation, express that you're hurt, express your feelings. Maybe he doesn't know. I mean, come on. It's kind of hard not to realize that someone would be hurt by that. But you do need to express this. And he says he knows. Right. And he says he knows Mm -hmm. and that he doesn't get the situation. I mean, there's so many perspectives on this. And you and I recently did an episode talking about navigating uh, relationships, when to introduce someone to your family, how much is too little, how much is too much. We'll post a link to that podcast on social media and in the show notes for today. But I think perspective for, for this young woman, it's so important, I think, in dating relationships and engagement relationships or even just with in-laws in general that the person who belongs directly to that family's blood really navigate to be the leader on navigating that relationship and bringing the other person in and holding a strong line and making sure that they are initiated into the family and that there's no bullying or picking on that their thoughts and wishes are being respected and honored i think these are really important things and especially for the man to do and helping his soon-to-be wife coming into the family and so really pressing uh, him to do that and I think it's perfectly legitimate for, you know, especially someone who's engaged to say, okay, if my fiance is not welcome at this event, then I will not be coming to this event. Because that's essentially what the, his family is making him do, choose one or the other. And what a terrible position to put your brother, your sister, your child in to make them choose and to have them feel that way going into their marriage Either you're going to do damage to that marriage and that poor relationship by making them choose and making your child pull away from the fidelity they're meant to have toward their spouse. Or, you know, on the other end, you know, if you're a girlfriend or a fiance in the situation, you shouldn't feel like you should have to be chosen between. That's a terrible thing. And you could be pushing someone away from their family and vice versa. That's true. And the Lord says... You leave your father and mother and are joined to your wife, though. So your advice for the boyfriend, the fiance, male fiance, is right on to Marie. He needs to stand up to his family and and stop going to events that she's not welcome at. And she, I think she had mentioned something about going there once a week, that she goes there once a week. I don't, I, I'm not, I wasn't too clear about the details, but I think for, even she for mentioned- herself... Yeah, she mentioned going over for dinner even a couple times a week. Right. That that's something yeah. she does regularly, but not included in family events. Or yeah, holidays. then she needs to stop doing that too because it's not, it's not, it's, she's being disrespected by not being invited to these events. And it's just pretending like this isn't happening isn't going to shift anything. Sometimes 
hard conversations have to be had. They're awkward, but everyone needs to know what the truth is and what you're experiencing, what you're feeling. And in a situation like this, it is death certainly called for. I'm sure there will be situations as the couple grows in their marriage and has kids that they'll have to address with either of their families too. So this has to set the stage of we're a couple, we make decisions together. It's not just, oh, well, she she is hurt by this, so I'm just doing this because she does. No, you make a decision as a couple that mm-hmm. it's not, and you don't blame it. That's the, the struggle. You don't just blame it on the other person of, oh yeah, well, I can't come because she doesn't want me to. That will tear you apart. If you take mm-hmm. it, like Timory said, as a couple, and go in that this is, this is not going, this is not going to work for our future marriage, then that sets you up for an amazing, strong marriage where you make decisions together. And unless you're at that, cons- that point of consensus, don't say anything because you need to, otherwise you'll, you'll both break down. Mm. And I think it also touches on the challenges that all of us can have with in-laws situations uh, where there can be so many hurt feelings and broken, uh, broken relationships and damage that's been done. And once your family, you know, once there's marriage there, the need forgiveness is so important, but sometimes the need to address situations to address past hurt feelings. Uh, sometimes that's there. Sometimes you recognize, you know what? I need to let go of this because if I do bring this thing up that has hurt me so much over these years, it might just create a bigger problem, a bigger chasm in this relationship. But I think that especially when we're welcoming other people into our families, these are growing pains and it requires a lot of letting go. You know, if it's a sibling, letting go of control and jealousy and being generous with the time, you know, especially as a parent, that can be so difficult, even more so if you don't like someone very much. Uh, And sometimes all the more so if you do like someone, but you still want that family member for yourself. Right. That's true. Yeah. And I, I love that point about some things just need to be let go because it will cause more damage to bring it up than to just say, you know what, I see this person for where he or she is in his life. May they have certain limitations. And I just have to know that's, that's what I'm getting when I'm interacting with this person. So I won't reveal my deep share, my deepest thoughts, because you know that you'll get hurt if you do that. So keep it polite, keep it courteous, but don't, you, you're not going to have a deep lifelong friendship with every family member of the other, of any, any family member, even your own family. So you, it's, you really have to approach it with that mentality of we might not be best friends, but that's okay. And I need to see where people are at, see, get to know them, see what any potential limitations are so that I can guard my heart without cutting that person off and have a relationship with this person without it being something where you're cut down and hurt every time you interact with that person. 
And it's so hard when you've been dating in a long-term relationship with someone and there can be a lot of wounds there. One of the things that's mentioned by this woman who's getting married in 100 days, pray for this couple, by the way. This is a great opportunity to pray for them. Uh, but she mentions, you know, that in addition to not being included in family events and holiday parties, even though she lives in the area and has no family and she moved there to be near her fiancé, who she's about to marry, uh, that she's upset because there's also a family photo, the nice family portrait that's being taken uh, not long before the wedding and she is being excluded from that and man I think family photos can be a, such a sensitive thing whether you're dating you're in a relationship or you're engaged and I understand both sides you know the legitimacy of hey this person isn't family yet and we want you know a family photo that always doesn't always have a girlfriend but on the other side the damage that is done by not including that girlfriend or fiance I think is often worse than what can happen in these scenarios where you just want a family photo of just you guys together. Oh yeah. And honestly, you can always hide or throw out a photo. You can't undo the hurt and the damage caused that not inviting that person into the family photo will, will do. It's yeah. It's, I mean, of course, if you're just if your son has just started dating someone, there's no need to invite her to a photo shoot. But in this scenario, it's, it's very inappropriate for them not to include her. God forbid something happens where they don't end up getting married. Just do another photo shoot. That's easy answer. <laughs> One of the things I saw online said, just know where to place or put her on the outside. It's so easy to take things out of photos now, which is true. That's true. It really, really is true. <laughs> One of my siblings recently took someone out of like a really nice photo shoot. Um, and great photo still and there you go you got it you removed the other person really simple and easy uh, you're listening to trending with timory here on relevant radio we had a question from Teresa christina she says when you say leave it to god when is it okay then to turn to a matchmaker or turn to online dating Ooh, yes so when I say put it in the Lord's hands, this isn't mean, this does not mean just sit in your house and watch Netflix and expect the next man who knocks on your door to be your future husband. It means you are doing everything in your power re with the resources that the Lord has given you to pursue the state in life that you want. So if you're single and you want to be married, you want to work with a matchmaker. You want to, and I'm not a big fan of online dating, but if you want to go that route, go for it. We've talked about the three-tier way of meeting your future husband or wife without using online dating on Timory's show. So there are ways, a lot of ways to meet the right person for you, but it takes time and effort. And it also takes potentially changing parts of yourself that you're very hesitant to let go. And, but usually they're just simple things and they're more superficial things of, you know, I, I don't always, I don't want to wear makeup for my dates. Well, that's something that men like. So it might be something that you will have to learn, even though you've never done it before, how to do. So that's what I mean. After you've done everything in your power, you say, God, I've, I've really tried. Now it's in your hands and I trust you. 
Right. That balance between doing everything in your power without letting yourself become obsessed or anxious, like letting those feelings, those emotions go to God and trusting that he indeed does have a plan as you work as if all things rely on you, but hope as if everything does indeed rely on God. That's celebrity and royal matchmaker, Christina Pineda. Find her at matchmakersinthecity.com. We've posted links on social media to her. Join me again tomorrow here on Trending.